Welcome to another episode of Sloppy Exchange. Today, the death episode. Dun, dun, dun. We're going to talk about the best and worst way to die, or what the fact has to do with the largest necropolis in the United States, and I should be dead. I am Mr. James Westfall. And I'm Dr. Kenneth Noisewater. Let's dig into it, Dr. Ken. The death episode. So last week in the lab, we had a little bit of an incident with uh, some of our spiders. One of our interns almost died. It was pretty scary. So we got to talking. What would be the best way to die? Okay, do you want to do best ways to die first, or do you want to do worst ways to die first? Ooh, let's go with worst ways to die. Okay. I think for me, it, it's, I don't know. I mean, right? <laughs> it's it's such, a, such a ridiculous topic because... Dying sucks, right? Well, right. But I think that for me, like the idea of being very aware of what's happening or in a great deal of pain, both of those ideas just scare the shit out of me. So for the longest time, it was burning to death, right? Like you can't get out of a house that's on fire or something. And I know that in a lot of those cases, you succumb to the smoke so that if, if that unfortunately is the way you go, maybe you're not there for the being burned alive part of it uh, to be conscious during that. But you had to deal with all the anxiety and fear. Exactly, it's, so it's just as right? bad. Yes, it's just terrifying. Like it is the stuff of nightmares. My other one, though, is drowning because that idea of not being able to get a breath to me is just terrifying. Terrifying. Yeah. Like, I mean, as a kid, I was very afraid of not of water or drowning or anything like that. Cause I'm not a great swimmer, but I've always been able to sort of keep my own, but that idea of like suffocating. And I had friends who had asthma growing up and the thought of having asthma was terrifying to me. And I was terrified and convinced that I was going to get asthma and I would have one of these breathing attacks like some of my friends have. And they seem to all just take it in stride. Oh, you get a pop on your inhaler and you move on with your life. But that just, that whole thing seemed terrifying to me. I, I would agree that, that drowning, I think, is a really scary way to die, right? Because of the awareness. Yeah. But for me, I think worst is all about pain. Yep. Pain level, pain duration, right? Like a horrible bone cancer that takes like five or six months to kill you that is excruciatingly painful. I think yeah. that might be the worst. Really bad car accidents, and gruesome stuff like that. I think uh, if you're aware of it, your brain probably doesn't even have time to process, Yeah. right? Like what's about to happen and then lights are out. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, God, yeah, worst way to die, wood chipper. <laughs> <laughs> As you can see your feet and legs ah! going in. <laughs> right, like... I, mean, I don't know what part you would die at. Right, yeah, exactly. Knee, That's a great question. Like, thigh by how thigh much would shock you... can the body right. you know, take before right. you just sort of go lights out? And then, you know, what is death, right? Yeah, like, is it right. when your heart stops? When does consciousness end? Like, are you aware all the way until your brain hits the chipper? Like, well, if we it's, don't know. you know, anything like our friend Mike the Miracle Chicken that we talked about a few episodes ago, right? Right. Like, that basically oh, yeah. functioned without a brain for 18 months or something like that. I, I mean, I've, I've worked sh- with people who function with less than half a brain. Guaranteed. I think that, um, yeah, I don't know. It'd be, it be, would be really fascinating to talk with medical professionals. And I know that there are privacy laws and all that kind of stuff. But just, you know, some of these, there's got to be just some fascinating shit out there that people have seen in oh. the medical community, right? That like, how is this person alive? Flesh-eating bacteria. 
Yeah, that seems like you hear these stories occasionally where somebody's on a family vacation, they step on a shell or something. And the next thing you know, it's you're you're borderline dying from that. It just seems so harmless. Right. And, you know, right now there's this flu outbreak going around. Every cough. Yeah. Like, oh, is this it? You know, and, and they're saying they, whoever they are, the experts, you know, don't fuck around with this thing. This is a serious strain of flu. And if you're experiencing these symptoms, go get treated because... You can die from right? the flu, right? It's, yeah. you know, the, I mean, the, uh, you know, I, you maybe could yeah, die, right? Yeah, yeah. Your, your kid, our parents and in-laws, like, right. they can die. You're pretty healthy. I don't know if you, you know, but you know, no, but I'm just saying, anybody. right, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, that's yeah, where you yeah. always hear your stories of seemingly healthy people like, oh, they look so healthy and robust and whatever and, you know, had a heart attack or, you know, something like that and, you know. If you weren't, if you weren't that healthy, maybe you would have died five years earlier. Who knows, right? Like it's just, it's cosmic mystery, man. Who knows? One of the guys I was in the Navy with chain smoked. I mean, he would light a cigarette with yeah. the still burning yeah, yeah. butt of another cigarette. And somebody was giving him shit about it. And he said, I'm just trying to knock out the wheelchair and walker years. I just want, you know, that massive <laughs> heart attack at 70 before my body goes downhill everywhere else. Well, and I would assume if like most of us, you know, that's when we know we're, we're doing shit that we know we shouldn't and is unhealthy for us we sort of adopt this bravado and we make jokes in our 20s i've made jokes in my 20s that aren't fucking funny now because you know <laughs> all of a sudden that massive stroke you know starts looking more real and those wheelchair years start looking a little more appealing because at least i'm still here you right. know vertical so, and ventilating yeah um, so you know, the best way to die i want to die like my great-grandfather okay. in his sleep um, not like the people screaming in the car with him Ah, good stuff. <laughs> yeah. I think, I, you know, I think both what you had said about the worst ways. Yeah. You know, massive heart attack, massive stroke in my sleep. Yeah, just you know, blink out, just you know. Not even blink out, right? Like, yeah. have a great day, go to bed. Just don't get done. up. Yeah. Uh, my wife's grand, great-grandmother was in the nursing home, had lunch, finished her lunch, laid her head down on her, you know, table. That was it. That was it. Yeah. yeah. Checked out. Had a nice meal in her belly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm surrounded by her friends. 90 something, 97, I think. I think that probably for me, the best way would be, you know, after my wife has passed away and we've been married for 40 years and, you know, she died in a tragic boating accident <laughs> <laughs> and I grieve for the appropriate amount of time. Whatever that may be. Three weeks uh, because I'm old and I don't, you know, have a lot of time. I start, you know, making the rounds and I just die like just total massive cardiac arrest in you know in bed with one or two or three young ladies you know who are I mean, that would be wonderful you know with your wife would be horrible right like <laughs> right uh, you know not dying mid-orgasm I think <laughs> that's the way to go the French actually called uh, an orgasm a la, little death la petite mort yeah. right so uh, why not have the big death with your little death but like how fucking awful would that be for your wife right? if that's the last memory she has of you I mean, you, that's a come and go. Like, I thought about this, like, for as, you know, the Playboy Playmates, as Hugh Hefner oh got God. up there, up there, up there in years. That, you know, seemed like a dream for a certain segment of society. That's what, you know, some, some people aspired to. I want to go live at the Playboy Mansion, be a Playboy bunny. I want to hang out with fantastic people. Oh, I people. thought you were talking about Hugh. I want to no. I want to be an old man living that life. Okay. No, but if, but, okay, yeah, if yeah. you know, if they could make it to the inner circle of being one of Hef's, you know, two Hef's or girls. three choice girls, you know, that seemed like a golden ticket, right? But as Hef hung on and got older and older... 
the chances of you being in the room and present when, you know, the big one came got greater and greater. I wonder if they had a death pool. Like, which one of the buddies will be the one that rides you out? (laughs) Right? Like, I bet they did. Any any playmates out there that uh, were around, shoot us an email. SloppyExchange at gmail.com. Uh, let us know if there was a death pool for which Buddy would kill Hef. Yeah, I don't know. I just feel like that uh, that bargain wasn't so great when Hef was in his 80s as it was when he was in his 40s, you know? Oh, like, sure. So best way to die, you know, all jokes aside, I think, you know, we all want, you know, the, the long and, and fruitful life, and then you just sort of go peacefully. It's like a little decline at the end, so I know it's coming, right? Okay. So yeah, I yeah, could, so I could not... say bye to family and friends. Like, I don't want dementia. I don't want Alzheimer's. Yeah. But... Right, where you don't recognize right. people. Do you think about it at all? Like, Oh, as, God. It's things that I get, like, as I'm getting older, like, sometimes I think, like, all right, there is a there's a fair chance that I'll die in the gym someday. That'll just flit into my head, right? Because it's something that I do frequently, and, you know, let's face it, even at, you know, even if you're healthy as you get older, you're putting your body under stress sure. while you're there. That's why you're there, to work hard. And eventually, parts are going to wear out, and if it's your heart that wears out while you're there, then you're the guy that got fucking taken out of their toes up right and if you survive you got to find a new gym because right, that's just embarrassing yeah, right? heart attack you know, guy like, yeah you got a death erection and you, <laughs> you went yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so everybody was just like talking about how small your dick is right, right. like oh god uh but yeah so i don't know like i'll just be doing random like oh i'm walking down this street with the dog this morning and i thought man if i just like stroked out right now what would the dog do would he just take off would he circle around me for a while? Would, how long would it be before someone drove by and noticed me laying there? What is wrong wow. with me? Like, those, those aren't normal thoughts, are they? No, I think that's kind of morbid, man. That's, right? Oh. Anyways, yeah. All right. Well, uh, if you have great death stories or, uh, you know, best, worst way to die, hit us up. SloppyExchange at gmail.com. By the way, we are on Facebook. Follow us there for episode updates and kind of looks behind the scenes and things like that. Our next topic. What the fact? Help us out, James. Learn us something. Have you ever heard of the town of Colma, California? Never heard of Colma. Okay, Colma, California is a small town uh, about 20 miles from San Francisco. And Colma, California has the distinction of being the largest necropolis in the United States. Wow. So a necropolis is a city of the dead. The town of Colma has a population of about 1.5 million dead people. Now, what's interesting about Colma is that it also has a living population, and the living population of Colma is around 1,800 people. So you've got 1,800 souls living in Colma, surrounded and outnumbered by one and a half a million. million and a half dead people. Okay, so when cities started, cemeteries were originally located just kind of in the churchyard or you know in the right. center of town. And then as time went on, and people started realizing that being around decaying bodies was not healthy, especially pre-embalming and things like that. So we're talking back in the 1800s. And it's kind of a downer. Yeah. They decided that the cemetery should no longer be located in the center of the town square and they should move all the bodies outside of the city limits. 
costs to sort of contain any outbreak or, you know, the, I mean, the plague was a thing, right? Like and people and were thus that. the modern cemeteries were born. Right. So they started buying up land. Out, these churches started buying up land out of the city or, it, you know, in suburban type areas and planting their dead there. So San Francisco had a problem where um, they were, it was a big gold rush town, right? Mm-hmm. That's how that was a boom town. There was a high mortality right there. So very early in San Francisco's history, their dead started piling up. There are no cemeteries in San Francisco anymore. They dug up None. and removed all of their dead and moved them out to Colma, different uh, lo- um, cemeteries in Colma, because a couple of factors. Number one, property became so valuable that it couldn't just be dedicated to being a cemetery anymore. And two, this was modern health notion of moving the moving dead it away, away from the living, right? And, and they hadn't seen poltergeist at this point because <laughs> right. it hadn't been made. What's interesting, though, is they recycled a lot of the tombstones and stuff. So if you ever go to San Francisco and you're walking around in their parks or you go down by the water, what you're looking at there are a lot of chunked up former headstones and grave markers. You know, they use them for the paths in the park. They use them for the seawall and things like that. So pretty interesting. Colma, California. It's kind of an interesting little story. And there are some real characters that live there over the years. You know, people have sort of gotten wind of this and done some interviews and and stories and news reports and podcasts and stuff. So dig into it a little bit and you can hear kind of interesting perspectives from some of these folks that live out there. And they find it for the most part, the stuff I was checking out, they just find it really peaceful and sort of comforting to be surrounded by all those dead bodies. Other people might not take it that way. It certainly is something that takes a certain kind of person to see the beauty in that. They have a pretty good sense of humor as a community because their official town motto is, it's great to be alive in coma. <laughs> wow. So they're just leaning into this whole thing, and it's kind of neat. That's awesome. Yep. So That's, uh, what a great fact. That is today's What the Fact. We're going to talk about times that we should be dead, but I have a little confession to make. So okay. uh, as a young man, I, I always worked from the time I was 14 on, but I didn't always work at the same place. I would work for a couple weeks, a month or two, and would get mad at my boss or uh, decide that the job was beneath me or find something better and I'd quit. So I had a lot of different jobs um, from like 14 until I joined the Navy at almost 19. So I think I've had in my lifetime 20 different jobs, plus or minus. And one of those jobs was cutting grass at the cemetery. It was one of the most peaceful jobs I ever had. I was uh, 18 years old right after high school, working for the parks district. park district. They had control over the cemetery, and so my job was to cut the grass and do general maintenance, and uh, it was an awesome job. I ended up getting fired, though, because in the riding lawnmower, I had several incidents. Um, <laughs> you know, flat headstones sometimes you wouldn't see, and you'd hit the corner of them. And, yeah. Yeah, you know, and that sucks. Yep. Um, but then I ended up hitting all the, like the sprinkler systems and like the spigots. And so there'd be 50 foot high water geysers behind where I'm cutting. Cause I didn't <laughs> Not see only it. disrespectful, but just oh, like, damage to property now and expensive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, shout out to all the people who work at, at seven. I didn't know that you did that. That's interesting because yeah. I spent one summer working for a parks district. I think I was about 20, 21 at the mm-hmm. time. And so I went out and I, I got on the landscaping crew, so we uh, mowed all of the parks and like three of the cemeteries was uh, the crew that I was on. It was, it was kind of like, I love that. I've always liked cutting grass. I had a grass mowing business when I was younger in middle school 
And um, then I just like doing it. I don't I don't hate cutting my lawn now as an adult. No. I got a tiny lawn. I can cut it in 25 minutes. You know, just seeing the lines. That's just soothing yeah. to my OCD. But yeah. um, but anyways, yeah. So so while I worked there, I, I never almost died. But several <laughs> jobs I've had, uh, there have been times where uh, I shouldn't be alive. <laughs> have you ever uh, dodged death? I've I've been fortunate. I I've never had that like near death moment, you know, with a bad car accident or a toaster falling in the bathtub with me or anything like that. This is something I will make light of for the purposes of this, but it's not funny. Is the amount of times I probably should have died or could have died being in a vehicle with with somebody should not have been driving, right? And And I think uh, many of us have those stories. Yeah. So that's you know a you know serious thing that when I was younger and even when you get older, right? You just I've never been a person, I can honestly say that I've never really operated a car while intoxicated because I was always super paranoid about that. But in college especially, like the amount of times I just got in the, in the car with somebody because my whole thing was, I don't want to get busted. Right. The whole death thing doesn't occur to you when you're 20 years old. Skull you know? busted, yeah. yeah right? So, uh, so, yeah. But other than that, like, I, you know, I've been fortunate. I've never really had any major surgeries, appendix and tonsils. That's it. Yeah, I don't know. So... I have a few that we'll talk about on later episodes that fit into sea stories. Okay. Uh, You know, several shipboard incidents that uh, were catastrophic and could have led to death. But uh, the one I want to talk about today is the time um, that my brother almost shot me. (laughs) Always assume, kids, guns are loaded. Never, ever point a gun at something unless you are ready and willing to destroy it. One summer day, Uncle Danny and I were home alone, 13, 11 years old. And in the basement, in the root cellar, we found my stepdad's shotgun. Oh my gosh. And as we're dicking around in the the cellar, Uncle Danny pulls the shotgun down, still in the case, and it falls from the top shelf and hits the ground. And the force has the gun go off. Oh. Right past my head. Through the window, out into the world. So somewhere in our neighborhood, a bullet is now lodged and stuff. Yeah. So after my adrenaline calms down, we uh, go out and look. The little CSI thing, mm-hmm. put like a stick through, try to figure out trajectories. <laughs> That's great. We can't, we can't for the life of us see or figure out what if anything it hit okay and the cops have not showed up yet so a gun has been fired in a residential area uh at one o'clock in the afternoon (laughs) (laughs) and and nothing happens so we go back inside we're playing around some more well uncle danny decided that he had not had enough gunplay for one day (laughs) you're kidding me all right so he found a, a little 22 revolver Wait, were you in the gun cellar or the root cellar? <laughs> so a little, the, little of this, little of that. So uh, the gun, the shotgun was in the root cellar. The the revolver was in the nightstand in the parents' bedroom. <laughs> Is this the fucking old west? Apparently, like who keeps revolvers and shotguns? Just you know, yeah, you know, Wisconsin. Our Wisconsin was showing. Uh, you know, and and here's the thing: the revolver was not loaded. Okay, yeah, but there were bullets, and so Uncle Danny, having watched too many movies decides he's going to put one bullet in there and scare me no (laughs) yes so here i am 13 years old sitting on the couch eating ice cream at 
one thirty in the afternoon on a beautiful summer day. Because I'm on summer break and fuck you. <laughs> right? And because I'm in charge, so I can eat ice cream for right. lunch at one o'clock if I want yeah. to. Well, Uncle Danny comes down and decides he's gonna play this little game where he puts shows me, puts the bullet in and closes it, tells me to stick him up. <laughs> I don't know if I said fuck you or I thought fuck <laughs> yeah, you, but yeah, fuck yeah. you, right? right? Uh, so I went back to watching cartoons and eating ice cream. Okay. This is your little brother, by the way, and you were being bullied by your little brother. I wasn't being... I, well, I was being bullied. <laughs> yeah, uh, fucking gun on you. He, I think you were being... He did, like, he I don't a know gun how you me. define it. He did pull a gun on me. So, for, for those of you who don't know, um, a revolver, you can shoot in one of two ways. You can cock the hammer back, and then okay. you barely have to pull the trigger, and it oh. fires. Okay. Or you can squeeze the trigger and Which, use the hammer pulls back and then fires. I've always wondered about that. Thank you for yes. clearing that so up. It's it's a, a quicker, sh- okay. a less forceful shot when you... Thank God Uncle Danny didn't know this and didn't know to cock the gun. So he tried to shoot me with what he told me he thought was the empty round, uh, empty s- chamber. <laughs> and he couldn't squeeze it with one hand because he was too much of a little bitch. <laughs> So he puts his left hand onto the gun and now raises it up. And doing so, he puts enough pressure on it that it shoots up into the ceiling. All right, time out, time out, time out. When your mom and stepdad came home, no one noticed that the house was fucking riddled with bullet holes and started asking questions? Did they just blend in? (laughs) So luckily, the basement window of the root cellar uh, it was you know a room nobody ever really went into, and it didn't shatter the window. The bullet went through both panes of glass and left a quarter-sized hole. Okay. Pop, pop. Right. So it didn't break the window, and there was a bush, a little bush right out in yeah. front, so you couldn't see the hole, and it was in the basement, which was already cold, and so no, they never noticed. Yeah. We took clear packing tape, covered it up so uh, okay. no airflow. Yeah, yeah. So... Fast forward to sitting in the living room as the gun goes off, <laughs> and I shit my pants because I seriously thought I just got fucking shot. Uh, I see Uncle Danny in tears because uh, at this point he realized that his idea of the last chamber was the first, oh. and so uh, when he pulled the trigger, ba bam. Yeah. So. A twenty-two bullet is about the size. Um, actually, it's smaller than a pencil. Okay. And you know, it, it's it's yeah. not a big. Let me stick you in the head with a pencil well, and right. see if it, that's oh, a big no, enough sure. hole. Sure. Right. It, like, right. Hits me in the skull. That's yeah. it's going in, bouncing around, and pureeing my brain, and I'm dead. Right. You know, hits me in the stomach. I might live. I. You know, it's yeah, not. Yeah, yeah. Right. And, you know, I didn't want to get. I, I wouldn't want to get shot with anything. But anyway, it's not a. It's not a big round. Mm-hmm. So this was you know nineteen. 90s, early 90s. We okay. had the popcorn ceiling. Oh yeah, and so the tiny little hole in the ceiling was never noticed. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> again, tried to CSI it out, standing in the living room, figuring out where the hell we shot. He shot it. Turned out it was into uh, our bedroom upstairs closet. Yeah. Um, and we scoured and could not find an exit, so it went into the floor and is stuck there. Is that so, house still there? Oh yeah. Yeah, and there's a bullet hole. Lot if anything of, horrible ever goes down yeah. there, they're going to find a 30-year-old bullet. bullet. Right? They're like, what the fuck? What's happened here? Yeah. So so that was the closest. Twice in one day, uh, guns going off very near me, and one of them unintentionally, intentionally being aimed at me, where, you know, yeah, my life 
flashed before my eyes and it was 13 pathetic years. <laughs> uh, do you feel like it would be a better movie now if it were flashing before? Oh, yeah. Oh, much yeah. better movie now. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, More interesting anyways. Yeah. Oh. And I just kept thinking, fuck. That is wild. I'm be the, like the what fat the... kid that got shot by his brother while eating ice cream. Like, fuck. Oh my gosh, that is a terrifying story for me. Uh, yeah. So yeah. Uh, well, and like we talked about this a little bit before, but you're you know you're cool with guns. You still have and and operate guns. And what about your brother? Like, was he? Does he ever think about that? Or you know? Well, he is a convicted felon, so he can't own a gun. Um, at least that's my understanding. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he talked about wanting to go hunting at one point years ago, yeah. like the desire, but that he can't. And I think it was more that he can't. Yeah. His felony was nonviolent. It was yeah. white collar stuff. But, right. um, you know, uh, he and, and he's not any more a violent person. And I don't think it was a violent intention. But, um, yeah, I don't know if he's ever thought yeah. about it. Like, I don't know. That's just, yeah, yeah. that's so scary. Because you see day, those yeah. stories now and then, yeah. right? You know, of man, I just, this, it's these kind of stories that really just, affirm and reaffirm my belief that like why do we have so many fucking guns around in this country like why did you guys have two guns in your house that your stepdad could just sort i mean he thought he probably had them put away because one was in a case and up on a shelf and the other one was in a drawer well you know what you leave teenage boys alone all day they're gonna get fucking curious and get into shit they shouldn't so it's just like i so my son knows I have guns. He believes they are all at my dad's house locked in the gun cabinet. Um, and he will continue to believe that as long as I can keep the gun cabinet I have at home hidden. Yeah. Um, they're not accessible. Right. Um, you know, they are for hunting. Um, Do you have any parting shots for us, Dr. Ken? Oh, parting shots. <laughs> Hilarious. Yeah. Always assume it's loaded and don't go off half cock, kids. I'm going to second that one. We are on Facebook, Sloppy Exchange. We are on Stitcher, iTunes, CastBox. SoundCloud. SoundCloud. Tell your friends, help them find us, and shoot us show ideas at uh, sloppyexchange at gmail.com. And we will see you next time that we decide to get sloppy. (laughs) 